Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Bishop Donald DeGrude in the studio. He is back to talk about the Set Ablaze Planning Initiative for the Diocese. He's going to talk to us about why we're doing the, the, uh, the planning, uh, what we hope to get from it. And he's also going to ask again for all of the lay faithful in the diocese to visit the uh, website setablazesf.org. Uh, to look at the current reality report, to view the maps in their current state, they are not in their final state yet, um, to give your feedback so we can know if there are some changes that maybe should be made um, and what your feelings are about it. So I hope you'll stick around for that interview. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald with us for Biblical Bites with Dr. B, and he's on Zoom today. Woo! I am not in studio. He's I'm not in studio. studio. I didn't say you were, did I? Did I say that? Okay, no, good. No, I mean, <laughs> Bishop's going to be in studio. Yes. Not in studio. Yes, we're recording on different days. So, yes. What do you got for us, Bergwald? Uh, so, Renee, do you remember? I think you do, actually. Um, what Sunday we're in? Uh, well, Elise told me it was the 32nd Sunday. I'm not sure I actually remembered. I knew uh, it was she, the 30-something. He wasn't lying this time. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, we have um, two, well, well, technically, I guess we have three more weeks. In, in ordinary time, three more weeks in the current church year. This week, the 32nd week, the 33rd week, and then the 34th right. week um, in ordinary time before we get to Advent here uh, right after Thanksgiving. So the the readings, um, uh, as, as we approach the end of the church year, they, the, the, there's a thematic shift. You, we, we've, we talk often how there's a connection between the first reading, the psalm, and the gospel. Well, there's definitely a shift now uh, in, in the way that those three relate and what they're emphasizing. Um, and, and this year, we're getting, uh, on this Sunday, the first reading is from the second book of Maccabees. Okay. So just a little bit about Maccabees. So, so it's, it's moving towards um, the idea of the second coming, the idea idea of persecution and tribulation um, that Christian, well, the people of God, uh, the Maccabeans, the Old Testament, so the Israelites, uh, the people of the New Covenant, uh, Christians, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, um, will face throughout history, but especially um, at the end of time, when before Jesus comes again, persecution. Mm -hmm. So Mac, the, the first and second book of Maccabees are telling us about the era of the Maccabean revolt. So this is um, basically about 160, 170 years before Jesus. Um, historically, this is a time when uh, the sort of the descendants of the Greek conqueror, Alexander the Great, uh, Alexander conquered much of the Mediterranean world, even over into India. And then uh, his descendants, if you will, sort of carved that up. So Greeks are ruling the Holy Land right now. Okay. And they're imposing Greek culture and Greek religion on all their peoples, mm -hmm. including the Israelites. And some are going along with it, but some, the Maccabeans, are saying no. This is wrong. This goes against what God has called us to do. And we're here, we hear about this in the first reading, which is from the second book of Maccabees. Uh, where, so this reading, it starts this way. It happened that seven brothers with their mother were arrested and tortured with whips and scourges by the king to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. One of the brothers, speaking for the others, said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. And if you read, just I'm, I'm, we don't have time to get into it, but if you go to Second Maccabees chapter 7, which is where this comes from, you read about, I mean, 
They were fried to death. Their tongues were cut out. It gets pretty gruesome, but that's what they were willing to do to stand up for what God had revealed to them. And that's what we're called to do today as well. That's pretty incredible. And we could follow their example. Thanks, Dr. B. In studio with me today, I have Bishop Donald DeGrood. Welcome, Bishop DeGrood. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yes, um, Bishop DeGrood hasn't been here for about, I think it's been almost a year again. Every time I turn around, it's been like a year again. Really? Uh, it probably hasn't been quite that, probably but it's not. been a while. So we've missed you. Thank well, you. I mean, I've good seen you back. around, but we haven't had you at Catholic Views. So. Good to be back. Um, we want uh, Bishop DeGrood to come on and talk about um, our Set Ablaze planning initiative for the diocese. Uh, Matt Altoff, our chancellor, was on just the last two weeks with us okay. um, to talk about some of the specifics about Set Ablaze um, and give us some good background on it. But we wanted you, Bishop, to come on and talk about um, why we're doing this, what we can expect, and what your just what your hope is for this and, and why this got started. So, again, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Right. Happy to do it. Yeah. So first thing I'd say is, you know, if we start with the theme set ablaze, uh, when we were discussing, you know, what might be a good theme, was stirring clearly in my heart is um, knowing the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So when God's alive within us, amazing things happen. We are able to do extraordinary things, all of us, uh, regardless of occupation, age, whatever else it might be. So it's really receiving God's love, being ignited with the fire of his love, mm -hmm. Uh, through the Holy Spirit that then inflames everything else around yeah. us, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like if we have someone that we know that is just like they're ha healthy and they're happy and they're fulfilled and they're like, I want to be like that, mm -hmm. right? And yes. we want to discover what that is. So certainly what was stirring in my heart, uh, and I think in the world we live in today with all of its many challenges, you know, we live in a very secular culture, which yep. means, you know, it's not always the Christian principles that yep. govern uh, society's decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and also very relativistic. So it's kind of like, well, whatever is good for me is is the right thing. Yep. Or, well, that's not right. There's objective truths that God's revealed. So it's really to try to help kind of bring about a new awakening through yep. the fire of the Holy Spirit. So... This is where prayer is going to be really important for us to pray well and to listen to the Holy Spirit moving. It's also to um, really inv invigorate the laity yep. and all the people, consecrated men and women, uh, and us as clergy as well, to see how the Holy Spirit's moving today and what he's asking of us. Yeah. And the set of blaze goes back to the whole image of Pentecost. Yeah. So at the time, they had these great expectations of what the future was going to be with Jesus, right? This great Messiah yeah. was going to be this great king that was going to rule and govern. And all of a sudden, he, he's crucified and died. And mm -hmm. it's even like the two men on the road to Emmaus, they're just stunned, mm -hmm. right? And so the apostles were afraid, what's going to happen to us? They go behind locked doors, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy in the culture and the world we live in today to feel like we got to stay behind locked doors. Yes. Because there's so much tension, so much division, and I don't feel like I have what I need to be able to stand strong in my faith and live it in a dynamic way. right? And so what I really sense uh, is what the Lord's inviting us all to is to come to know our faith more deeply, to to come to know, love, and serve the Lord, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And to let the Holy Spirit. So we got to pray and pray that the Holy Spirit's going to bring about, if you will, kind of like a new Pentecost. Because yes. what happened was when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and Jesus promised he would. Mm -hmm. Before he left, he said, I promise I will send the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, mm -hmm. advocate, and he will be with you always until the end of time. 
So we know God's going to give us what we need. We just need to beg for that grace and we need to seek it and we need to prioritize what we do in our lives. So God is number one and we order everything else in our lives around that. Right. That's what enables us to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So if we're too busy with too many things, even distractions, um, and we're not taking the time to really listen to the stirrings of the Lord, we're not going to know what to do. We're going to be afraid. We're going to be hesitant. And we may not be equipped to speak about the things in the world we need to today to be able to stand strong in what is so crucially important as Mm -hmm. God has revealed in Scripture and tradition for our full flourishing. Mm-hmm. So the whole goal is it's a new awakening through the fire of the Holy Spirit, the set ablaze, meaning let God set ablaze our heart, every single one of us, that we relook, we re-envision like, oh, what is the Lord's plan for the future right. for our parishes and for how we can collaborate together, how we can share our faith, mm-hmm. how we can impact and invite other people into the life of the church and right. the mission. Right. So. That's the the purpose of the title, set ablaze, to let the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. invigorate us, let it animate us, and then we go out into the world. And we're not like, I was thinking of an an image. It's not like a retail store that we just like a parish and say, and it's just like, we hope people are going to come. Right. No, no, no. We go out. Yes. We go out to the street corners, if you will, meaning our workplaces, our homes, our family, our relationships with our uh, parents at the ball Mm -hmm. games, uh, every place. We're just engaging and we're sharing the good news. Yeah. I think that's something we've kind of lost sight of over the last, oh gosh, probably 50 years is that um, <clears throat> this is about us going out and not just holding up in our in the upper room or wherever yes. it is, you know. Um, okay, so one of the things, so of course, everyone knows by now we have pulled together a lot of data yep. for the current reality report to kind of see where we are as a diocese. And there's some good things, some mm-hmm. not so great things. And we've known for a while that Mass attendance has been going down and so on. But why now, Bishop? So for you, there, there, there's kind of been a, a sequence of things that's happened. So why are we doing this now? Yeah, so as you may recall, early on in my time, I had a clear sense in prayer what the Lord wanted for a vision for the diocese. Mm-hmm. So lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear this is what the Lord's calling all of us, not just me as bishop or us as chancery staff or just the priests or whomever, but all of us. So, okay, that's laid out. Now, what does that look like? And so just continuing to do the same thing we're doing Mm -hmm. is likely to get us the same results we've had in the past, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a management of decline. So it's really to disrupt the unhealthy trends uh, that we have. And it's not just about getting more people at mass or just, you know, one specific thing. It's about a wholesome way of life in God that animates us. We want to go to church. We want to receive the sacraments. We want to help other people even above and beyond what so many wonderful people are already doing Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's the nature of God's love to will the good of another as St. Thomas speaks of it. So the whole goal is to really help people experience and envision, um, how is the Holy Spirit moving today? Because as you said, well, so many things have changed. Yeah, People are so busy, so preoccupied, and some of them with many good things. So it's really kind of like, let's step back, let's look at the reality, mm-hmm. and let's plan for the future. Right. It's very, very important for all of us, whether it's a student in school to plan for his future, his or her future, 
after high school, for example, mm-hmm. or after college, you should have, what are our plans as right. we look ahead? Well, let's look at the reality. Mm-hmm. Let's pray and discern what the possibilities are, but let's do that as groups of yeah. people yep. and not just within my own little circle, but right. this is where the real advantage is going to be. And there'll be challenges too, oh, certainly, yes. but some real advantages of being with other parishioners from other places to say, how can we collaborate even more together? How can we reduce duplication how can we help offload more administrative work for more of the priests so they can be doing more spiritual, pastoral, educational, liturgical things? Right. That's why. Right. The Lord's stirring in my heart. We have priests and deacons, and sometimes we get tied up in a lot of administrative mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. because in today's world, it requires a lot of administration. Right. It does. Finances and HR things and, and facilities. Mm-hmm. Well, we have so many qualified lay people, and there's already wonderful people helping in our churches and our Catholic institutions, but it's envisioning even uh, additional ways or maybe ways that we aren't already doing that Mm -hmm. so that the priest then can, God willing, get more to the homebound, visiting them at home, or having more time to prepare talks Mm -hmm. on sharing the faith and what how we live that out in our world today or with youth groups or whatever yes. the yes. the goals and the visions of these local um, connectivities uh, connected to the other parishes around mm-hmm. them will have. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it, the way I understand it is um, so that many of those priests can work out of their strengths yes. and be able to really themselves embrace missionary discipleship and help bring others along on that same path. Is that right? Yeah. So one of my, certainly early on as well, I mentioned the DAS and vision, but the Lord had placed in my heart really to help our clergy be healthy, happy, and holy. Mm -hmm. And with the many demands and challenges in today's world that we have, just like all of us, uh, everybody, uh, the laity can have that same stress and pressure and all those kinds of things. So the whole goal is how can we right size things, Mm -hmm. right size in the sense of, what is a person's natural gifts? Yes. What are their supernatural gifts? And then how can, through the Holy Spirit, those be empowered even more? Mm-hmm. So in other words, if someone has gifts in teaching, well, could we? he spend more time doing teaching since that's where his charisms, mm-hmm. God's given him those gifts and the education to be able to do that. And just like all of us, I discovered in myself, I have strengths, natural and supernatural mm-hmm. graces and blessings, and you all have to put up with... Uh, <laughs> Whether it's graces or whether it's limitations, because right. you got to put up with all those right. too, yes. right? Yes, we do. So, <laughs> but the whole goal, and I'm learning even myself, is really okay. Flourish in the strengths. Mm-hmm. Find the people that we need that can do the work that I'm not as good at, mm-hmm. or I don't need to be involved with, right. so that I, as bishop, can be more missionary. Yes. So let me just give an example. Yeah. I hired a chief of staff to help manage all the kind of chancery things, but he works under me. So it's mm-hmm. not to relegate my duties as a bishop, but so many things can take so much time mm-hmm. administratively. Yeah. So he's now able to handle all those things. I have so many fewer emails, so many other things I just yeah. don't need to be thinking about. Yep. And it's actually provided more time for me to pray and to prepare for things like uh, that I have coming up. If I'm working with a team of people or if I'm going out to a parish, it's giving me more time to prepare myself mm-hmm so that I can be a better service to the people. Right, right. Okay, so when we're talking about, uh, you mentioned that there'll be uh, more lay people's gifts needed uh, to serve the parish and the and the pastorates that they're in. So it sounds initially, and I've heard, I've, I've read, by the way, we've had um, approximately 50 
Parrish is already represented in the feedback coming Good. back about the maps, which is fantastic. Wonderful. And we'd love to see more. So if you haven't given your feedback yet, please do at setablazesf.org. Please, please, please. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I've heard some concern about won't, won't this cause more burden and work for the for the pastors? So can you speak to that a little bit about how that might work and and why it's really important that the lay people are involved? Yeah, great question. So uh, initially it will create more work mm -hmm. for the pastors, these pastorates, because they're going to have to be um, working through a pastoral planning process right. with the parishioners, lead uh, uh, groups within, the within their parishes. So we'll initially, but the goal would be is to get it set up and you can have different positions mm -hmm. and you can have a facilitator help facilitate conversations. So not all the burdens on the, the pastor right. himself. right. So initially in the creative, listening, mm -hmm. discerning, praying, yes, there will be more work initially. But just as the example I used earlier, um, you know, when I came here as an example, I think how I have, in some ways, what I knew before I came was being a parish priest and to run the diocese like a parish priest, meaning hands-on a lot of stuff. Well, I've learned I can't do that. No, you can't. And it's not good for everybody else that <laughs> right. I tried to. It's definitely not good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for me. Well, but this creative way that I learned from other dioceses that have envisioned new ways to offload stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I stay at the higher level. Right. That's the goal with our clergy is that there's a really uh, a continual learning way to delegate in a healthy way mm -hmm. and to train the staff. So they know what needs to be brought to the Bishop or in this case for the pastor uh, and the other things that they can just manage right. because it, it's it's not affecting the key things, right. right? Right. So the whole goal would be ultimately that if it's if we train them well and they're open to staying at a higher level of delegation, it's actually I'm finding a beautiful experience to see the gifts of the laity even more yeah. than I did before. It's not because it has to be my idea. It's actually fun to see yes. it's somebody else's idea. It is. It and is. then to see them take off with it, and then they have responsibility, they give insight into it, and I see the Holy Spirit working through them. Yeah. So it's a very different model, a mm -hmm. very different way of thinking, especially for parish priests, which much of our models, and my model when I was a little kid and thinking about being a priest was <laughs> my small little country right? parish. Yep. And I would be the pastor, and everything would be rosy, mm -hmm. right? Well, it's challenging. <laughs> uh, so I've had to learn that, you know, just because that might be the way that I preferred or dreamed of as a little kid, the Lord has a different plan. Yeah, yeah. And I'm discovering that his plan is actually much better. Yeah. Because it enables me, as I said, to have more time for the spiritual, like more time for prayer, mm -hmm. pastoral, educational, liturgical sort of things. That's the goal for even the pastors. Yes. And then to free up an additional number of priests who are currently pastors who are going to be a tremendous help. Yeah. to those pastors because they have knowledge and experience and to align their gifts where they're particularly good. If yes. someone's like, oh, just really good with senior citizens, we need you in this area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the pastor can say, good, I have somebody that's really the primary person of making sure all of our homebound folks, mm -hmm. all of our liturgical training, those sorts of things, those can be delegated out. Right. And so this experience as a spiritual father for pastors can actually be really enriched when you're privileged with doing it with other clergy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about the creativity possible in the pastorates myself, um, just because, I mean, the lay people and the priests in those pastorates are going to have an opportunity to come together and say, hey, how are we going to make this thing work? I think there'll be really some really interesting methods of making it work. 
that'll that other uh, pastorates can learn from or borrow from whatever I'm, I'm super excited about that I think it's really exciting for those of us who like that kind of stuff yeah. I think it's also true that it can be very intimidating oh, sure. especially yeah. if those aren't where we've got knowledge or experience or we don't have natural gifts mm-hmm. so I think it's be really important for the laity to be understanding of that even as they work with the priests or the clergy because this is a very different model and mm-hmm. so not everyone may, may necessarily feel equipped for it, sure. or they might feel like, I don't know for sure you know, how this is all going to turn out or if I'm going to like it. Right. right? I might right. be a pastor now, or somebody might be a pastor, and maybe they're going to be a parochial vicar. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we won't know until we're in it that, oh, <laughs> right. now I see the good parts of it. Oh, this is kind of great. Right? <laughs> yeah. It, but it's not everything's going to be great either, right. right? We understand that. And it's really, I think, for our laity to really help our clergy see and, and to encourage them to say, Bishop, or Father, we want you to be freed up to do right. spiritual, pastoral, educational, liturgical things. Yeah. That's what the Lord keeps placing on my heart. Right. And then the priests need to make the final decisions on things. So it's mm-hmm. not relegating any of their key responsibilities. It's just learning how to empower and to discover the Holy Spirit working even more right. in the laity. Right. Okay, so I know one of the things that we hope will result from from this change in structure and and so on with the diocese is more vibrant parishes. But when I say that, I'm not sure that we all know what that means. So can you describe for us what a vibrant parish might look like? Yeah, I think if we uh, use an example of uh, maybe a sports team and you can see when things are really vibrant, right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's, there's a life, there's an energy, there's an enthusiasm that's yeah, like there. being around each other. Yeah, it, you want yeah. to be around <laughs> each other. It's just a really positive spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be kind of like you say that, you know, say it's on a uh, a staff, mm-hmm. uh, somebody's on, a, on, you know, a business, wherever they're, you just say like, wow, there's a really good morale amongst our mm-hmm. uh, staff, right? We work well as a team. There's a great fire. There's a great energy. We're all going the same direction. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. We're encouraging each other in our gifts and our skills. So in a parish, you see the vibrancy by the vitality of how the faithful are living and, and the clergy, how they're living out the life of faith. Mm-hmm. So that's why the types of things, the, the uh, challenging or negative trends that we see, lack of you know the, the amount of people, less people through the years attending mass or receiving the sacraments or faith formation, whatever it might be. The vibrancy is actually when you see those numbers going up, right. the percent of people that are really actively participating in mass, that are participating in in the events that the parish has. So it's a vibrancy that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And you can see the healthiness manifest in many ways. The morale of the people, are they happy to be there? Is there an engagement? Are they welcoming each other when they come? Is there friendships, yes. right? Yes. It's really the key in vibrancy in parish life is the friendship with God, personal friendship with God is so great that I want to come together with the community of faith and to share that and be a part of the giving thanks to God, for example, mm-hmm. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I want the life that comes from the sacramental mm-hmm. life of the church. Mm-hmm. So uh, not just Holy Communion, but regular confession and regular celebration of the sacraments. Yep. That's where you start to see vibrancy. So you can look at the sacramental life. You can look at financial health. You can look mm-hmm. at facilities. You can look at programming. Yep. Is there programming for a whole variety of people? Right. Or we are only able to do this because we don't have enough volunteers. Right. Or we don't have enough staff. Mm-hmm. Is there a great sense of mission going out of the church? Like I said, not just the retail store, let's hope people come. Right. <laughs> uh, and care for the sick, the poor, mm-hmm. right? So you can tell a lot in the vibrancy of a parish 
by its programs and the participation in those programs and the life that it's bringing to the community, the people around them. And they look like, it's like a beacon of light. Yes. So a parish has, you can tell a lot when I walk into a parish, kind of its vibrancy by the response of people at mass, by the engagement, by seeing their programs that they have. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for is to create greater and greater vibrancy. There's already some parishes that are very, very vibrant, right? And people are in very different ranges. But it's also hard, especially in smaller parishes, to have vibrancy with all kinds of programming when you have so maybe no staff or very few staff. So Mm -hmm. if there can be some, let's say it's a youth group or senior citizens group. Well, if you have, you know, several parishes going together Mm -hmm. and you create it together, you're reducing the number of events that you need to have. And then you can have more dynamic events because you have more people. Yep. A youth group of five is very different than a youth group of 20. Right. Or 20 to 40 or 40 to 60 or whatever, depending on uh, the parish you're in. So it's really finding that let's work together to make the greatest thing possible rather than just here's what we've always done and we're just going to stay localized in our own parish. It's really let's go out to our local parishes. I love a description one of the priests recently said to me. Said so I presented to the parish of like, okay, we're all individual parishes, but what if we see ourselves all as the church? Right. Yes. <laughs> so all of us in the circle as the, the church. church. Then all of a sudden it changes how we look at mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Then I want to see what are they doing? What can we do to help that parish? Yep. You know, they don't have a youth program, but we do. Well, let's let's figure out how we can work together. Yeah. Right? Or any other senior citizens or empty nesters yes. or young adults, mm-hmm. right? How do you have enough programs for young adults? Well, where you can find energy and maybe not even within those circles, it could be the other circles around them, right? Yeah. So you can have regional sorts of yeah. supports, for sure. regional support, um, even for staffing opportunities. Mm-hmm. You just gain an awful lot when you when you think outside the box of what yes. it's always been. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Bishop, our time went super fast, but <laughs> I know. sure did. <laughs> um, in like a minute, can you just... What is your what is your plea, your request of the laity, especially right now? Yeah, I think the most important thing is pray. Mm-hmm. Pray for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to fervently beg God for that grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's faithful. Yes. yes. Secondly, review the information on the website. Mm-hmm. Please, please, please offer feedback. Yes. The more feedback, it helps us really understand insights so that we make the best possible recommendations and decisions in Mm -hmm. the end that I need to make. And we are reading that by the way, like every day. So (laughs) good. And the third is um, it's really to begin praying and discerning about one's own giftedness Mm -hmm. and how I might serve in the life and the mission of the church beyond what I'm doing now. Now there's some people that are already actively engaged, right? Very, very actively engaged. So it might actually be letting some things go so somebody else can step (laughs) in, right? Yep. So it's really praying, how is the Holy Spirit asking me, what's my part in this? And to step forward and say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this solution of the Holy Spirit working in me. I want to be animated even more. I want to share that with others. I may not know how, but teach me. Yeah. Right? It's that humility. It's that uh, seeking it out that's really going to help us get to next levels. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for all of that. We'll be sure to have you on um, another couple times, hopefully, between now and next summer and we can just talk about more of this stuff as we move along and things develop 
great. Come Holy Spirit, set our diocese ablaze in even greater and newer ways. Yes, yes. Thank you, Bishop. God bless. All right. You can uh, find all the information you need about Set Ablaze at setablazesf.org. You can find the maps, uh, current reality report, and you can give your feedback there anytime. We are waiting for you to do that. That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.